Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and the Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from the Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, expand your perceptions, and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. I've been having a very important day today. This morning, I went down to the beach for a walk. And Florida, or I guess this part of Florida in September, is very rainy. It's all sea mist and wind and sprinkles and clouds. And I went down to the beach this morning. It was one of those magical moments where I was getting rained on, and yet somehow the sun was also shining on me. I heard the frogs and the seagrass. The waves were crashing on the beach, bigger than usual because of these recent storms, and a rainbow, a full rainbow, arched over the entire beach, and right underneath the pinnacle of the arch was a slightly less than full moon. And I jokingly said to the chorus, what planet am I on? It just felt otherworldly, beautiful. The white sand beach, the turquoise water, the rainbow, the moon, the thunderheads, the sunshine. It's incredible. It's here. It's right here. Then I got to have a very great conversation with an old friend about how She has been experiencing awakening and things that she's been moving through, which clarified for me all sorts of things that I've been moving through. And in a little while, I need to change clothes and go pick up my son because there is an epic squirt gun battle planned for after school. You might say, Katie, I would love to have a day like that. That sounds amazing. I have been working so hard. I am so stressed. There are so many things happening. And this is where I would say, well, I wasn't, I wasn't being sarcastic when I said that this is a very important day. These things, these experiences of deep connection to the natural world, to each other, of joyful play, are truly the most powerful, the most allowing energies that we connect to at this juncture. It used to be much easier for me to cast aside that idea, to get the things done that I needed to, that my mind was screaming at me that I needed to get done. That voice felt safer That voice felt more logical and experienced. And it was so much easier to follow that than it was to disregard it and go off for a day of leisurely beach walking and squirt gun fighting. 
This is an interesting juxtaposition because the chorus often talks about ease. And I look back at the trajectory that I've had to this point, and I say to myself, if I were using an ease barometer, (laughs) it was easy to follow the loudest voice within me that said I had to get these things done. It was easy. It didn't take hardly any thought or or awareness or challenging or questioning or wondering or doubting that voice. And today it's easier, but not always perfectly easy to ignore the things that I think should be done or to recognize that I have forgotten things (laughs) that I at one point thought might be important to get done to take those walks, to have that fun, to be playful. It's not always easy. But you know what was easy? Working my ass off till I burnt out. Coming to a place of recognizing that that wasn't working anymore. Asking questions about what else could be possible. All those things were easy because... I had never planned on them. I had never thought that they needed to be done or accomplished. I was just rolling through life, experiencing it and being brought about to the next greatest mystery. We really can't mess it up. Wherever you are on your journey of recognizing that Maybe some things have gotten easier over time, but there are still things that you wish were. Ultimately, we are all heading in this direction. We are redefining what ease is. We are constructing and embodying new things that come to us naturally. We are changing the definitions of what we think is important, what resonates deeply with our hearts as an ideal way of existing, of experiencing a morning, an afternoon, or an evening. And in all of this redefining and building, time is stepping into the background. It is loosening. It is flexing. It is expanding to fit all of these things that we are now creating and becoming. If you feel like there's something you got to go do right now, but you really wish you had time to listen to this episode, know this, that from a certain perspective, This podcast episode and these messages are a version of manifestation which reflects your growing expansion. What manifestation awaits you if you go and accomplish those things? Well, that's for you to experience. But the point is this. The expansion is assured. The growing ease is already underway and we all have the power to select the different flavors and ways that we experience the incredible energy of creation. 
So go get done what needs to get done or stay here. Or who knows, maybe both. Either way, and in all ways, you will get there. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus themselves, and then afterwards we will discuss. Have fun. dear friends and cherished ones. We have long awaited your arrival at these frequencies. We've watched you most carefully in your recent time periods as you have approached what we might call an important juncture or crossroads in which many more of you will be able to access frequencies from which you might be able to detect or to discern many of us. Do you know what it is like to wait to be seen? This is much like our experience here with you in this creation of a reality that you constructed. We did not understand, or perhaps know, this concept prior to our arrival here. It has been an uncanny experience for us to recognize another and yet to be energetically disconnected, to be unseen. This may surprise many of you to discover that while there are some who have participated in deceit and disguise in your game, as we often call it, there are many of us who did not attempt to disguise ourselves, but by way of the energetic experiences that you have had here, were unable to see us. As you have continued to progress through these frequencies to this juncture, many more of you have been able to perceive many more of us. By our view, it is not we who have changed. It is you all. Your perceptions are changing and of the many new things that you will see and experience, we are one of them. It may be that you do not understand us in an instant and that is all right. We have a different understanding of time, are less affected by it. We are in 
no rush. You do not need to run to get your cameras or to stay there as long as possible, lest we disappear. Truly, for many of us, we have attempted to remain in your perceptions for as long as possible. There is, in some ways, no other place we would rather be. We have attempted many ways of showing ourselves to you. There are many among our kind and connections who have created very clever methods of being seen by a human. We will delight in sharing these creations with you when you desire it. But now, joyfully, we find that we need fewer and fewer inventions, that there are, amazingly, many of you who can glimpse us. We wish to assist the sensations of fear that we often detect in your kind when you perceive us. We have tried to improve the ways in which this unfolds. And ultimately, we find that the less we do, perhaps the better. It is all right to tell us what it is that you prefer in those moments. Many of our kind can hear you, can understand what you are expressing. We would be delighted to oblige. It is our greatest wish to continue to see and understand humanity and to be seen and known by you. We look forward to all the events ahead in which we may welcome you into the resonance, the purview of the many who have been waiting for you. We love you infinitely. feel like the harder it gets to categorize and classify things. 
I spend a lot of time on the internet, <laughs> on Twitter and other social networks, trying to understand experiences that other people are having to sort of just gather more data, gather, gather more variety and more flavors of things to help me understand all the beings that I have been encountering and connecting to. This is not the greatest way to go about it <laughs> because it's, it's hard to know if someone who's posting something really experienced it or if, if it's just something they made up for fun to post. So instead, I've turned it into a bit of a game where as I scroll through Twitter, maybe I'm following like hashtag UFO Twitter or hashtag whatever weird thing it is that I've recently encountered. <laughs> as I scroll through it, what I do is I wait for a sense of knowing to crop up inside of me. This is the same knowing spot that we talked about in last week's episode a little bit where I reach for that frequency and the first word comes through. Now, I can jump off of that track with the first word and start to imagine what would come next. And there are aspects of expansiveness to that. But I find it's been much more rewarding, you could say, and perhaps even more challenging to just remain present and allow whatever words are about to come out of me to come next. It is a direct access to what I call the knowing place. It's a felt sense of, I know this, I have a connection to this. And then the words are just sort of an afterthought. They, they come out as a result of that connection. So as I scroll through Twitter, I try and see if I can feel that place respond as I look at different posts. I think I may have expected in the beginning that it was like a little like red light, green light button. <laughs> that as I would scroll, 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 it'd be like red light, green light, red light, red light, red light, red light, green light, as in the truth of it or, or the veracity of it. I don't know. I don't know. It was a very five senses way of understanding sort of a true false barometer inside of me. <laughs> but instead, what I've found is that it it doesn't it doesn't need to judge the entirety of the internet for me to figure things out it's it's directional not evaluative not judgmental so i will find that i scroll and sometimes i scroll 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 my thumb keeps going and then my thumb will stop on a particular tweet and that tweet could be on any topic. Sometimes it's just an inspirational quote. Sometimes it's a really silly animal video. Sometimes it's, I don't know, um, a UFO or, or a news story. And the response within me will be very clear. Like, yep, absolutely. That is definitely what that was. It's 
a confirmation. It's a validation. It's a, it's a connecting between things in my life that I have been starting to understand or play with or move through. As we talked about in season one, we used to joke about this in terms of large data sets. When, when you start to get into bigger and bigger and bigger collections of a thing, it starts to feel futile to look at the whole collection and then decide what you like best. Imagine going to a shopping mall to look for a pair of shoes that is the size of the Milky Way galaxy. <laughs> if someone said, go ahead and have a look, it might feel a little ridiculous to even try to look at that many shoes. So then the question becomes, how do you choose? How do you navigate spaces that are that vast, energies that are that vast? Well, when I connect to the knowing place, somehow my thumb knows exactly where to go. I am not the arbiter of Twitter. (laughs) I have no idea what to say about most of the things I see on there. Sometimes I don't even feel a response to the most inflammatory of tweets that are out there. I got nothing. But when my thumb lands on those tweets that it finds from the knowing place, the sense of connection is phenomenal. Of course, you don't have to just rely on your thumb. (laughs) This is a sense that we know well and we started to talk about last week, which is synchronicity. Those inspired moments where you feel like you'll just go turn that on or maybe go look and see if that's there or open up the front door and see what the weather looks like. These are different movements in the way of expressing that vaster connection from that knowing place. So now I don't always just scroll through Twitter. Sometimes I pick up my phone and go straight into an app And the most recent post in that app just happens to be something that connects in a very meaningful way to something that I am starting to understand. So now I'm starting to feel this in big and small ways across movements that I make throughout my day, on my phone, or even choice of words in a conversation. The conversing part has been the most challenging because I feel that perhaps (laughs) we had a large amount of beliefs of limitation that constrained our abilities to communicate with one another, being that, as we've talked about a lot this season, connection with the infinite, with the universe, with ourselves is the basically kickoff point to this experience that we destroyed. It is a very powerful expression of limitation. And so what better way to experience that than miscommunication? (laughs) According to members of the chorus, 
answers are heavy on the ground all around us. We are surrounded by fascinating perspectives to the things that we are trying to solve or are struggling with. However, our inability to connect with diverse perspectives and to get out of our one-at-a-time thinking is a large part of how we continue to energize our struggle, we could say. It's our way of focusing on one kind of answer or on missing the one kind of answer we think we have to have. Conversations in an energetic place might look very meandering and very much nonlinear because from that vaster energetic place, there is less of a focus on the thing that needs to be understood, that is, not yet understood, and more of a full-body expression of all the dynamic ways in which we are connecting to the universe at that moment in time. The response from the other party or other parties would be something akin to a very dynamic and fluid way of conversing that is very nonlinear also. Answers might come out of them perspectives might come out of them that are in response to our energetic place that may seem from a five senses perspective very disparate and very disconnected. You'll start to see some of this communication cropping up already in energetically connected people and you'll find us still consciously aware of a sense that what we're saying and what we're doing is breaking some of these linear rules of communication. Some of the things you might hear people say are, well, I don't know why I just said that, or that just came up for me, or I don't know why I'm thinking that right now, but maybe that connects. There is a way that many people have who are starting to sense this of excusing or permitting in some ways the nonlinear topical progression that is rising up within them from the perspective of that energetic place as they connect with the other person. As this progresses, for some, it becomes so nonlinear and they are so in the perspective of the energetic place in which they are resonating that they will begin to drop in what the mind might consider complete non sequiturs, things that are completely disconnected from the perspectives or the linear conversation that is unfolding. In some cases, it may even feel like it bursts right out of them. A piece of advice, a message, something they have to communicate that practically interrupts what it was that was being linearly communicated. I have heard and resonate with a variety of perspectives on whether or not this is a good thing. Should energetic people sort of just spew their energetic messages all over the place? (laughs) Is that to the benefit of the recipient? If the recipient did not consciously ask for the answer to that question that they did not consciously know that they were asking. Is it appropriate for someone to 
basically bombard them with their energetic perspective that they are somehow connected to outside the lines of communication. If you notice in human structures, we have a lot of these lines of communication in order to maintain what we consider to be stability or efficacy or control. There are many institutions on our planet which adhere to a strict hierarchy of reporting that practically denies the opportunity for certain portions of an institution to communicate with each other at all. The silos can go laterally across the organization or vertically. You'll never have an executive talking to your run-of-the-mill hourly worker. Or similarly, you may not ever have a very junior team member working with a very senior team member or two junior team members working with each other who are potentially on different and separate teams. We've given ourselves many reasons for the ways that we structure discommunication. It eliminates distraction. It leads to faster decision-making. It ensures that information does not spread farther, perhaps, than it should. And all of these are very valid perspectives from a five senses reality in which things are not known. And power is generated or even controlled by those who accumulate the knowledge. But what happens when a civilization or a group of people who had been linear communicators start to know things without needing the lines. At this juncture, we may begin to recognize just how much of our society was based upon the control and the dissemination of information in our own families, in our own workplaces, in in our own institutions or governments. Much of the life of a human is spent exchanging certain portions of information and trying to find or to get the pieces of information that we each need in order to do the things that we want to do. Whether we are calling to see if there's an open table at the restaurant we want to go to tonight or looking for permission to proceed with an experiment that has been long planned, Much of the exchange of information here takes time. And when that time starts to free up, when synchronistic experiences start to accelerate, and when we tend to just know things or stumble into things right when we need them, what happens next? A certain faction of the chorus stepped forward today that I will not even attempt to name. (laughs) My categorizations are too slim at this juncture. I don't know how to say these different beings. I don't know what to call them. I feel their differences. And I imagine by this juncture, many of you are starting to also. 
the voices that spoke up today probably feel rather distinct from the water spirits or water beings who made their appearance last week. But one delineation I have struggled with and have come back to over and over and over again is what is the definition of an extraterrestrial, of an alien? Now, earlier in this season, I retold a few stories in which I had communicated with what you might call a group of ETs. These were beings that I did not consider to be part of the chorus, and this was simply because of the felt sense that I had of them energetically. They felt more constrained. They felt more dense. They felt practically human in terms of the concerns and the troubles that they were experiencing. Resonances that I have never felt from members of the chorus. A little further into this season, I told a story about how there had been beings who came upon our society and our game board when we began to resonate in a place of sort of greater expansion and connection how they had been completely flummoxed when that failed to happen and transpire, and how seeing sort of our cyclical limitation, the ways in which we've locked ourselves into this game, ultimately chose to incarnate here in order to participate with us in these more limited five senses frequencies in order to understand what was happening and how they could energetically perceive us, but also still be in some way disconnected from the complete part of us, namely the part of us that was conscious in this reality. These I would not necessarily classify as ETs because they are of an energetic place, are conscious of that energetic presence, and of the history that they've had with us here in which members of their families have chosen to incarnate in the five senses reality in order to understand it, in order to participate, and in order to assist us ultimately in awakening and in reconnecting what they viewed as a schism in our consciousness between the energetic parts of us where they resonate and where they recognized us and the five senses conscious parts of us. But an interesting question remains. If I encountered one of these energetic beings in this conscious perspective that had incarnated here, (laughs) would I recognize that other being? Would he or she or they look human to me or might they look like something else? Are they totally incarnated in my game or are they incarnated in a a different way of looking or behaving in our game? At this juncture, you can kind of feel how the five senses gets really tripped up really quickly. These are vast energetic concepts and it's not quite clicked into place yet in terms of a five senses definition. It's so vast and it's so varied and it's, it's really hard to just be like, oh, and this is what they look like. Especially when we don't have a lot of unusual examples of what stuff looks like. I mean, ultimately, we're still limited to the spectrum of visible light 
which, I mean, according to an infinite universe, isn't that much. The chorus at this juncture suggests something along the lines of looking to beliefs as a way of expressing sort of the differences that we are starting to feel in these different classes of being, different types of being that we are starting to encounter. One way that you could start to play with this is a topic that we've covered a few times in recent weeks, which is the concept of death. From a classic human perspective, historically speaking, death was a function of reality and the universe. It was something that was mysterious, but practically inescapable. Today, we're coming to a vaster understanding of our choices to incarnate here, to be here, to participate here, and we are questioning the idea of death, the concept of death, that there is a wall or a veil between our living day-to-day existence in these lifetimes and other places. We have various ideas of what these other places might be. Some call it heaven, some call it hell, some call it other frequencies. But this is a vastly different ability to contemplate in an open and sort of wondrous way. Huh, how did this all work? As opposed to a knowing somewhere within you, a certainty that death is just a way of life. This felt sense of difference in resonance is a felt sense of difference in beliefs. Because, according to the chorus, our resonance with these frequencies was the first step and beliefs were the first manifestations of those things. So ultimately, when the chorus is saying, well, look at your beliefs, they're also sort of simultaneously saying, well, check out the underlying resonance. And that might help you to experience a vaster perspective of what you're encountering. The energetic beings who chose to incarnate here have a very different perspective on death than one of us who is just sort of in it and in the game. They see it as a function of the creation of our reality. They do not invalidate it, but they see perhaps more importantly or more critically to our existence here the beliefs that kept us trapped in a cycle of forgetting and reincarnation and limitation. In that energetic place where I connect to them, they hold that perspective. And therefore, I view them as being different than a physical being, myself or an extraterrestrial, that can experience death without choice. That classic way that we all sort of move on to vaster frequencies here, which is that something happens, either gradual deterioration that's out of our control or something else that's out of our control, and we ultimately pass on. Let's take another example. Let's pretend you and I are standing on a big open field together, and there are two beings in front of us. Now, neither of them look human. There are visible differences. Maybe their shape is not exactly humanoid or they have an extra digit or they have a different 
type of skin or a different looking hair or any number of differences that you can imagine between us and them, and then also between perhaps the two of them. And I say to you, which one of these is an extraterrestrial? Now, from a five senses perspective, you might say, well, <laughs> Katie, <laughs> neither of them look human. They don't, they don't look like us at all. So, I mean, maybe kind of, but not really. So I would say they're both ETs. They're just, they're just maybe from different planets or they're from different places. So they're different ETs. And I would say that is a very valid perspective. That is absolutely true when you are coming from a reality in which we rely on visible wavelengths of light, what we see to tell us the differences between things. And then I say, but what if you could detect more about them? And if you remember in season one of the podcast, we talked about how even the mind-body expression, the physical expression of something here is reflecting to us information about their resonance. And remember, resonance begets beliefs. So if we're all standing there with heads, <laughs> then there is already something that we have in common. So now this is sort of a next level of nuance because let's pretend that we are all standing there we all in some ways look humanoid, meaning we all have heads. So there is something that we all share. So if I then ask you, well, which one is an extraterrestrial and which one isn't, you might feel a little bit confused. What do you mean? They don't look like us. They're very different. They're not human earthlings and, and we all have heads. And so they're ETs and we're from earth and do you feel how it starts to get a little shaky so quickly, so soon, when we start to try to tie the energetic things that we're starting to feel right down into the five senses? We're trying so hard to get to a definition of what each of these things are in our context. So let's set it to the side for just a second. And I'm going to change my questioning. I am not going to insist that something new that we are encountering right now fit into a previously created definition. I'm going to suggest that you and I create a new definition, a new understanding right now, and that ultimately it will trickle down into making sense into our five senses belief structures. So let's try it. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a suggestion from what the members of the chorus who stepped forward today made in their introductory message. We're going to use our felt sense of time to evaluate these two different beings in front of us. And you might say, Katie, I am not an expert on time. I am just barely understanding some of these concepts from this season. Like this is, this is new to humans and totally, totally true. And also you're kind of a master creator <laughs> of the experience of linear time. 
we have created energetically vast structures that we embody in the experience of this aspect of linear time. So looked at from another equally valid perspective, there is no greater expert in this version of linear time than each of us. And what did the chorus members who step forward say in this message today? They suggested that they want very much to be seen by us and for us to recognize that they see us too. They have this sort of unhurried aspect to them. And they even said, hey, if you catch a glimpse of us, you really don't have to run and get your camera. (laughs) We're trying to hang out and stay in your perspective, in your acknowledgement for as long as possible. So it's, it's not us. It's not us that are flickering in and out. It's you. You're starting to see us. You're working through your beliefs. You're awakening and expanding. We've been hanging out here for a really freaking long time, (laughs) hoping for this moment. And in fact, we've gone to great lengths to create clever, as they said, ways of helping you to see us. So let's go back to the field. And let's say now we have two beings in front of us. They look very different. They both have heads. (laughs) And your mind might want to start to scrutinize even more particular differences. Well, what's different about the heads? Well, what's, what's specifically different about the way they're standing there, right? You feel the urge to sort of just double down on the five senses and get even more specific, okay? A focus, right? You feel the focus coming in. Okay, so let's try and be attentive. What's happening all around us in that moment? What's happening on the field? What's happening in the air? What's happening in the felt sense in our bodies where we are beautifully and perfectly perceiving a lot of energy and a lot of nuance? And then I might say to you something like, which one of these beings is in a hurry? You might say, what? (laughs) Katie, I don't, I don't know. I might say, really? Really? Because, I mean, have you ever felt someone you love rush into the room and kind of rush out again and they're preoccupied and they're clearly trying to accomplish something else or they're late to something or they're, they're I don't know, they're kind of in their head a little bit. They have an idea of how much time it's going to take them to do something or get somewhere. Can't you just feel that sometimes? Can't you feel someone's connection to time? This may seem subtle to the mind, but is something in your body like, yeah, yeah, I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. I can feel the pressure of time in someone else when I'm around them. I say, okay, so let's just allow maybe the possibility that we all are actually really good at feeling this because because we, well, we helped to build it. And then I would say, now feel, feel these two beings. 
and and use your your visual information too if you want to, but you might be surprised. And at that point, if you cast your awareness sort of to the entirety of the situation, you might find that one of the beings in front of you feels very much pressured by some idea of a timeline. And you might feel that one of the other beings in front of you is so glad to be right here with you. That the time-based being seems to sense that there is a culmination of something coming that there are more things that need to be done and managed and worked on and that part of them is connected to this other idea. Whereas the other being seems to sense that the greatest culmination is right here in this present moment. They are without hurry. They are without agenda. They are open and curious and interested and welcoming and so very glad. These are beings who hold a much softer connection to linear time because they have come to us from outside of are concepts of linear time. The limiting aspects of it, you might say. They seem to exist in a presence that appeals to us, that feels soothing to us. Because ultimately, it is a reflection of the frequencies that we have expanded to, on which we have been able to rendezvous with them. If there are beings that show up into your perception and they tell you to rush, rush, rush around, (laughs) then you know something that you had in common with them. And if there are beings that show up and they say, don't worry, we'll be here. We've actually been here (laughs) for a really long time and have been hoping for this moment. And we're very glad to be here. Then you recognize in them something that we are all connecting to which is a more expanded perspective on time and on the present moment itself. My friends, there is so much that we already know. There is so much that we already have access to understanding. We're simply coming to consciousness of it. And I will say one more thing that I'd like to point out from their message this morning, which was that they are aware of our energies. They are aware 
how we're feeling. And they are interested in our desire for how best to present themselves to us. As they said today, it's okay to tell them. Nope, you're freaking me out. Not today. (laughs) That all is a little too loud or bright. Can you tone it down? Would you mind coming in the daytime? I'd actually appreciate if you showed up when other people were around. Can you just hang out there for one second? I actually prefer this other camera and I'm going to go get it. And they would say, yep, sure, absolutely. That sounds great. We've been waiting for this moment and for you to express to us from this conscious place how you feel, what you prefer. And we've got nothing but time. much for listening. We hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information on The Chorus and I, our podcast, book, or how to get in touch with us, visit katieinthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.